It was. It actually dates back to like when I was a kid. They had this thing at school called LAP, which is late arriving parents. So, <laughs> um, so basically, all the you know all the all the single parent kids and all the you know what I mean. The, you know, we're all there. So from grade three, grade four, I remember people with the cardboard break dancing and and like you know, especially it was a very um, very multicultural. Like there was there was definitely. Like you know, during those, those programs, probably white people were the white kids were the were the minority in in that in that thing. So a lot of people were like like you know, I, everyone was listening to hip hop. Like you know, what I mean, just from the start. Like I just started from like the first, I remember the first cassette I ever bought was um, Eric B and Rakim paid in full in 1986. Mm. You know, what I mean, I was like a kid. I was like you know what eight years old at that point, like seven years old, whatever. And so it's just from the jump, it was just always like music in general, but hip hop especially was just there from the start and it just kind of i started with that and to this day i still run with it you know what i mean so i, I loved it from the first moment i heard it you're listening to the grind and gratitude show i am danny stone and i've dedicated my entire life to helping people win win in their careers win in their businesses and win in their lives this podcast is going to help you get on your grind and hustle to create the life that you love and walk in gratitude along the journey each episode, I'll teach you tools and tactics and bring you conversations with experts that will help you turn your passion into a thriving online business. Life isn't about wishing for something greater. It's about making it happen. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it. Welcome to the Grind and Gratitude Show. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much. If you're an avid listener in one of 55 or so countries, you already know I got a lot of love for you. And as always, every time that I bring you a guest, you know it's somebody that I admire, somebody that I believe in, someone that I know can really add value to your life. And this is no different. I have a very special guest, super excited to kind of have him here and introduce him to you. And I just want to quickly tell you a little bit about him because this guy has done so much. Like he sent me some information. And in my research, I was like, wow, he's, he's done so much. So DJ Ritz is a significant part of Toronto's nightlife and, and radio life. And he's been doing this for 20 years, but I think it's more than 22 years because in my research, I know it's almost 23 years that he's been a DJ. Yeah, that that that, that bio is the pre-COVID one. I've actually been uh, looking to update it in a second. Okay, so, yeah, so you, there you, you go. Gotta add, you got to add two years, and that's professionally. Obviously, I've been DJing longer than that. There you go. So yeah, yeah. For more than 22 years, man, you've worked with everybody. You've worked with Richard Branson, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Raptors, the Blue Jays, the Argos, LeBron James, Cardi B, Ludacris. Jazzy Jeff, who's a legend in the in the yeah. DJ world, Wu Tang, and so many more people. You, we hear you on two different radio stations. You know, I met you on 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 Flow ninety eight seven. Yeah, big up and, Jay Martin. And you've done so much in your career. So, welcome to the Grind and Gratitude Show, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And I'm also a fan of yours. So this is actually really great. Since we met on the morning show, big up Jay Martin, a mutual friend of ours and, ho and host of the uh, morning show on Flow as well. Uh, you know what I mean? It's been like, you know, like I said, I've really dug your groove and, and I'm really like, you know, I really like what you're doing. So I'm happy to be here. I appreciate that, man. And, and yeah, you know, speaking of that, like 
we met through Jay Martin and I had an opportunity and I had heard of you a while ago. Um, mm. I don't know, years ago, I heard your name come up and I remember listening to a few of your, your DJ mixes. I was like, yo, this guy's nice. I like, I like the way that he DJs. Thank you. And um, then I had the opportunity to meet you when I came up to the radio station and, and, you know, definitely really dug into what you're doing and stuff. So like, the first question I got is like, really, when do you sleep? Cause you're, <laughs> oh, you're doing so much. <laughs> you know, nowadays, like, you know, I mean, I've, I've done radio for, you know, over 20 years and stuff, but now that I do um, the morning show on flow and once again, big up Jay, big up um, red, um, you know, it's a whole different, I've never woke up in mornings in my life, like ever, like, you know, for the last, you know, for my whole career of DJing, which is 20 plus years, I've never done mornings in any capacity. I've been like a wake up at noon kind of guy. So it's been like a real, like the first couple months were really hard. And there's some weeks that are really hard and stuff, but you know, I'm getting kind of a grip uh, on it and stuff, but it's like the sleep nowadays is, oh man, it ain't much. And this, especially this summer with everything being back open after COVID, it's like, it's nonstop, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's five days of radio, five, six days, you know, parties or, or events. So it, it's a lot, man. But you know what I mean? I'm just blessed to be working. So I, I'm, I, I'm not complaining. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of DJs and none of them wake up before noon. So you, you, you being on a radio show every morning from six to 10, I'm sure that, uh, that that's a challenge, especially when yeah. you're DJing over the weekends. Yes. So, so man, so, so, so tell me like, in terms of like radio, what do you really like about being on the radio, you know, five days a week? What do you like about that? Um, I think like the best part is just you're constantly in people's faces. So it's like you have a different connection, like doing um, like just mixes or once a week, like you connect with people, obviously, but that every day, you know, and especially in the morning, everyone in the morning kind of like they listen almost every day because usually in the morning you're going to work. It's a routine. So we become a part of your routine. We can become a part of your life almost. So it's a really different connection doing a morning show than, you know, doing mixes or nighttime and stuff like that. I've done every time of the day. But this morning show is a different kind of like way to connect with people. Yeah, I love that. So before we kind of jump all down your career, because you had, man, you had an amazing career. Like, where did you where did you grow up and, and what was growing up like for you? Um, I grew up in like, um, for people to know, like, you know, Don Mill Shepherd area, like Peanut Plaza, kind of that area. You know what I mean? Like in Toronto. Yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like lower income area, you know what I mean? Single mom, all that business. So, you know what I mean? Like growing up, like, you know, you, you know, when you look back on it, you're like, man, man, we didn't have all that much, but when you, in the time you don't think of it, you know what I mean? In the time it's just fun, you know, you go out, I have a younger brother. So we were always really close and stuff. And with my mom working a lot of the day and stuff, we were left alone a lot. So, you know what I mean? We had a lot of time to kind of, you know, thankfully get into trouble, which we didn't really, you know, my brother was a little more, you know, a little more into that stuff than I was, but you know what I mean? Like, just, you know, growing up like that is like, you know, is, is and being um, around every culture, which is the, was the best thing ever. So by the time I was in grade three or four, I had black friends, brown friends, this friends, that friends. So, you know, I mean, that's the beauty of Toronto, essentially, right, is you kind of get to grow up with all cultures and all stuff, which kind of relates to what my music, you know, what I mean, is like I, you know, I play all types of music because, you know, I've been exposed to it from a young age, thankfully. Yeah, that's that's just great. I I grew up in Nova Scotia, so I I mm. missed all of that diversity. You know, grew yeah. up around a lot of black people and a lot of white people and a few mm. Lebanese. And then um, I was always coming back and forth to Toronto because I played basketball and I was mm -hmm. in music and stuff, DJing. And 
And um, that's kind of what really exposed me. And I realized how diverse Toronto really is. Yeah. And it just exposed me to even more um, music and culture. So I can definitely get what you're saying. Like, I can only imagine growing up in that environment, how exposed you were to different cultures and music. It was amazing. It was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, definitely amazing. So, so where did you, where did your love for music come from? Like, how did you kind of, did you always have a love for music or was it something just happened one time or how did that come about? It was, it actually dates back to like when I was a kid, they had this thing at school called LAP, which is late arriving parents. So, (laughs) um, so basically all the, you know, all the, all the single parent kids and all the, you know what I mean? You know, we're all there. So from grade three, grade four, I remember people with the cardboard breakdancing and, and like, you know, especially it was a very, um, very multicultural, like there was, there was definitely like, you know, during those, those programs, probably white people were the white kids were the, were the minority in, mm-hmm. in that, in that thing. So a lot of people were like, like, you know, I, everyone was listening to hip hop, like, you know what I mean? Just from the start, like it, I just started from like the first, I remember the first cassette I ever bought was, um, Eric B and Rakim paid in full in 1986. Ooh. You know what I mean? I was like a kid. I was like, you know, what, eight years old at that point, like seven years old, whatever. And so it's just from the jump, it was just always like music in general, but hip hop especially was just there from the start. And it just kind of, I started with that. And to this day, I still run with it. You know what I mean? So I, I loved it from the first moment I heard it. Yeah. I mean, I, every music is everything for me. Yeah. Some people know, some people don't, but er, like music was everything. My, my grandparents were Jamaican immigrants and they came to Canada in the sixties. So I remember my granddad, had his old record player and eight tracks set up in the basement nice. and he had, you know, all the old reggae and Marvin Gaye and everything. And mm-hmm. I just remember just going down to the basement and just going through all the records and the eight tracks. And so I, I like music is, is my whole life. My whole life is a soundtrack. If you say yeah. an artist, I can tell you what I was doing at that time. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Same here. <laughs> so, so I'm like you when it comes to like, to, to music and just like loving the genre and stuff like that. So like, so you always were around music and then yeah. like, how did you kind of transition into like DJing a little bit and starting to get into playing music? How did that happen? That was pretty much, um, by the time high school came, like we were fully, fully like hip hop heads, just engulfed in the culture, everything. Um, reggae also big time, uh, you know, there, when I got to junior high school, um, a lot of kids were into reggae and stuff. So I started getting into that, all the original, like, you know, Ninja Man and, and, yeah. and Super Cat and, you know, on and on and on. Um, so it was like, I, I just realized, like, I can't, I can't rap. I can't sing. You know, my dance moves are just, I, I bop. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it just, you know, I just wanted to be a part of the culture so bad that it was just kind of DJing was just it. So when I hit grade 10, um, I worked the whole summer. Like I sacrificed my whole grade 10 in summer. And as a 15, 16 year old, that is the mm. worst thing ever. So I worked six days a week, um, eight to 12 hour days. And I saved all summer. And then at the end of the summer, I spent every single penny I, I owned. I bought a mixer. I bought two turntables. Wow. And I, the rest of the money I bought, a re- um, I bought records. So I remember at the end of the summer, my mom was like, okay, give me the money. I'm going to put it away for you. And so my mom, there's no money left. She's like, you have no money left. I have zero. I spent every single penny. So I, start, I started off grade 10 broke, but I was a DJ. So <laughs> I was like, you know, give and take, I guess. <laughs> that sounds that sound like me. I was a broke DJ for a while. Too. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. My mom used to give me five bucks twice a week for um, thing, and I would save it. 
in high school and then go buy a record. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so it was just like, it got to the point, like my grandmother for like my birthday and stuff would give me money to go buy clothes. I'd just go buy records. Yeah. So it got to the point where she wouldn't give me money anymore. She would take me to go buy clothes because she didn't need some clothes. <laughs> it was just anything to get money for records. You know what I'm saying? So you were just DJing in your house and your bedroom and just playing mm-hmm. music and messing around? The best, man. Yeah, just like hours and hours a day. Like a lot of like younger DJs I talk to now, it's like how much you practice. And they don't, you know what I mean? They practice. You know what I mean? Like what is like, like I'm talking like, you know, six hours a day. Like if I wasn't going out on a Friday night or Saturday night in high school, I would stay at home and pretend I'm at a club and I would yeah. play from 10 to three and like, you know, work my records and stuff. Me so, too. Yeah, right. So it's like you kind of like imagine oh, if I'm in the, I'm in the club because I'm not going out. So, you know, I mean, you just practice, practice like so many hours, like so many hours of practice. It was crazy. It was, you know, just like that. That's all my memories from back then. My my room was a bed, a TV and records and equipment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just used to mess around with music and, you know, I bought some equipment and then started kind of just DJing. Same thing in my basement. Mm-hmm. And I used to open for just local guys like one of my friends dj mo bounce uh mm-hmm. he's a he's actually a principal and he's still D, he's a principal nice. of a junior high school and he still djs on the weekends and, he djs his own dances or what yeah no i don't even i think he might but i know he, he still djs at a club i think oh wow good for yeah him. and uh i don't know if you know another guy mark mirage yeah i've heard of him yeah yeah yeah, yeah mark mirage he's, he's he's from up here uh he used to be a great dj so i just used to open for those guys but nice you know i think with djing and the love for music, like, what do you think, what do you think DJing kind of did for you, like, personally? Uh, I would say, for lack of better terms, like, saved and made my life, you know what I mean? Like, like, unfortunately, I, you know, I didn't get a high school degree, I, I didn't really pursue much education. As soon as I found music, it was done. Everything was done outside of that, you know what I mean? Which, you know, I do regret some parts that I probably put to the wayside that I shouldn't have, you know what I mean? But yeah it like literally gave me purpose. Like I didn't, I've never liked anything else but music. Like I'm not like a super, like my wife always like kills me because she's like, yeah, you don't like enough stuff. It's like, you know what I mean? Like I just kind (laughs) of, I just kind of came in with with plan A without a plan B in sight. And you know what I mean? Thankfully knock on wood, it worked out. But you know what I mean? It was just like, as soon as I found um, music and hip hop and specifically, it just changed everything. And that was it. It was tunnel focus. I have to do something in this genre. I think that's a good lesson for a lot of people listening because, you know, you were brave enough to pursue it and and maybe, you know, at the cost of your somewhat of your education at some point, but like, and friendships friendships. Yeah, absolutely. So you were just so dedicated. So like, what would you say to someone right now? They might be passionate about something and they're just afraid to kind of make that leap. You Mm -hmm. went all in and it paid off big time for you. I mean, you've, Mm -hmm. you, you're internationally known, you shared the stage with the biggest artists in the world. You're on, you know, different radio platforms. So Mm -hmm. what would you say to someone right now? Who's kind of like, I'm passionate, but I don't know if I should go all in. Like what what kind of advice would you give them? Well, I think it's, it's very important to see the climate of what you're doing. Like, you know what I mean? Cause when I, like, when I talk to younger DJs and I do this all the time, people hit me up for advice all the time. And I'm more than happy to, you know, give advice. It's, um, when I came up, it was a it was a whole different world, right? So if it was DJing, I would probably give a different kind of slant, you know, just you know, because the time I came up, it's a it's everything's turned, everything's different, as you know. So that you know, I mean, so it, I think you have to take a real realistic look at what you're doing. You know, do you have the skill set? Because you know, what I mean, I wanted to be a baseball player when I was young, but you know, what I mean, I didn't have the goods. So right. thankfully, I've all you know. I could have tried as much as I want. It wasn't happening, you know. What I mean, right. so I think first off, you need to be a little realistic. 
you know, it's always good to shoot for the stars, absolutely. But, you know, there's still some God-given talent you need and, you know, and, and certain things that kind of make sense. Like, if you want to be a basketball player and you're 5'2", I'm not saying it can happen, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. might want to, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, uh, DJ-wise, I definitely think, that you know, it's changed and you probably want to have a plan B at this point, you know what I mean, for DJing. Um, but as far as just, you know, anybody into anything, like, I think if you are smart about it and you and you really take a, a, a an honest look at it from yourself, you know what I mean, and see really like do I have the goods? Mm-hmm. And if you know what I mean, like you know that's from comes from you know people telling you yo you're amazing, you know you're really good, you have a gift or or you you have something, you know what I mean? Like you have to have something regardless in whatever you're going for. So right. I think if you just take a realistic look at yourself and and if you feel that you know what I mean, like if you really think that the ducks all aligned, then you know go for it. You know what I mean, like. We only live once, so there's nothing better than doing what you love. Like that that's the ultimate, yeah. you know, the ultimate goal in life, in my opinion. Yeah. And as you were going through, like, did you have people in your life who were kind of doubting you and saying, This is crazy? And, you know, when you dropped out of school, I'm sure people were, were kind of doubting you or, or did that happen to you? I'll be honest, not really. Cause like I came like, you know, by the time I was in grade seven and stuff, it was I was fully in. Mm. So it was like people just expected it. It just, it, it was what it was. You know what I mean? Like, it's like when, by the time high school was, I was like one of the DJ guys, like, you know, right. anything music, oh, it's Ritz. Or, you know what I mean? I'm selling my mixtapes, like mixtape actually, you know what I mean? In high school <laughs> stuff. So, you know what I mean? So, because I got started young, by the time I was an, um, uh, sorry, a teenager, it was already like moving. And I, it was already like predetermined at that point. So I didn't, I, I knew from like probably 14, 15, that this, this thing's going to go down. Wow, that's amazing. So where did you get your name DJ Ritz from? Uh, funny enough, when I think it was when we were in like maybe grade seven or eight or something, and we're just all sitting around and we're like, yo, we need names. And, you know, um, Ritz Cracker. <laughs> and then you can kind of use the last word and then kind of look at me and then kind of, you know, I mean, it kind of came out of. <laughs> kind of came out of that <laughs> so you know it was kind of like you know a little i guess a little racist undertones and then, you know what I mean? it just, and then it just kind of stuck you know i mean it was either that or um dj craft with a k you know like craft dinner right which, which thank god i didn't go with you know what i mean i don't wow. know about that one but yeah it was kind of, it was kind of just kind of came from that you know what i mean <laughs> that's funny so yeah. so like being a, a a white dj how like you know, when you show up at places or people hear you play and it's like they're amazing, then they see you or they hear you mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, how do people react to that, knowing that you're a white DJ in this hip hop and reggae genre? Oh, back, you know, 20 years ago, it was a little different. You know what I mean? Like, I always call it that pre Eminem stage because, you know what I mean? Like, I found when, you know, like when I went to concerts in the 90s, it was like, like you can count the white people at the concerts. You know what I mean? And now it's probably the opposite, you know what right. I mean? Give or take. So, it's, it's always been a little element of surprise, you know what I mean, to a degree. But, you know, I mean, I've always been someone that respected the culture, understood, you know, where it came from and, and who are the key people in it and, and, and just, you know, respecting the whole genre and, and, and stuff. So it was, you know, even if it was a bit of a surprise or a bit of a, a bit of a what the hell, you talk to me or, you know, I mean, you see what, it's, see what it is, it, you, you know, it comes from a, a, a place of like, you know, I've researched, I've done, you know, I've done due diligence and, I respect and, you know, and, and, you know, and, and treat the culture properly. You know what I mean? So I haven't had a lot of stuff with that. You know what I mean? But I, you know, I'm a big goofy white guy. You know what I mean? Like I come in, like I'm not having, I don't have like the, 
the zigzags in my head. I'm not wearing a Gucci <laughs> outfit. I'm not really that guy, right? So right. Like, I come in pretty unassuming. But I've been, you know, I, I've I've done, you know, I've been in rooms where I've been the only white guy in 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 many different situation so i'm very comfortable in in you know in any situation you know what i mean i'm very and i've always been confident of what i do so people feed off that they may be like there's no fear in my eyes i can go in front of any crowd from the time i started till now and there's no fear in my eyes and i'm you know what i mean so people feel that energy you know what i mean so they, yeah you know, because you've done your homework you respect the culture i think yeah. that's the thing too i don't think it matters i think it's all about just showing your respect and love for the culture and i and, yeah. and and when you DJ, people understand how how much you put into this. Like you know, music. I've heard you. You had some amazing mixes. I was I, sometimes I listen to your mixes, and I'm like, he just mixed those two songs together. Yeah. So I, I know that I know you know music. And, yeah, definitely, definitely. And especially in this DJ world, again, I hadn't DJ long, five or six years or whatever. But mm. I find that there's a lot of DJs that are just lazy and they copy each other's mixes and they don't yeah. take risks. Like I remember growing up. Like one thing about growing up in Nova Scotia is like. They're fans of all genres of music. Mm -hmm. So back then, growing up, you'd have to play pop music. Like I remember mixing "Achy Breaky Heart" with uh, <laughs> "Hypnotized." Like people wow. want to hear everything, right? Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. and and so I think it was people care. People want to know that you put in the time. And I, I find some DJs these days, it's very everybody's playing the same mixes. Yeah. You can predict exactly what's coming next. Mm -hmm. So that's what I love about listening to you, man. It's just like. You, you take us on this journey of all all these different mixes, songs you forgot about, the B side mm. album, and uh, I love that man. You can tell you it's can a real give, it's a real that. give and take, especially with morning radio, because like you know I want to go deeper, but at the same time, you know what I mean they want me to you know still be somewhat commercial, so I try to slip stuff in, you know, there to make the you know the music lover go, oh, nice one, you right. know what I mean. So I, right. I, I'm glad that you uh, you know. You, you notice that because, you know, I do definitely do something for the people that are a little deeper with their music, but mm. not not so much that I'm alienating just the commercial sensibilities of being on FM, you know, commercial radio. Yeah. And you can take bigger risks like, you know, for instance, you do, you know, Sugar Daddy's Nightclub here, whatever. Mm. And, you know, you're DJing every weekend. So there I'm sure you can take way more risks. It's, it's Yeah, it's a little more, especially after the live tour ends, you can go crazy. You know what I mean? Right. But I got to, you know, you know, especially with a, a lot of reggae stuff and older reggae stuff, there's a lot of. You know, questionable material and material that <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe is a little more dated now than the thoughts and the ideals. So you know what I mean. Like, like I said, playing on radio is like one way, and then playing off radio obviously is a little a little different. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a comedian. You know, it's, mm. you're you're a comedian on TV, and people see you on TV, and yeah. you had to kind of have this clean TV show, and then you go perform at a stand up show, and people are like. What the, what? the, the mm. language you're using and all the, the jokes you're telling, you're like, but you're on TV. That's not the same. You know, that's what that's what it yeah. kind of reminds me of when you're saying that. It's like, like R.I.P. Bob Saget. He's like the perfect choice. Like he did family. Uh, what is it? Um, What the hell? What the show was it? Full House. Uh, Full, Full House. House. And then he did America's Funniest Home Video. Squeaky, clean, corny. And then he was like the dirtiest mouth ever. So it's like, I could just imagine these families like, we're going to go see Bob Saget. And he's sitting there dropping F-bombs and this stuff. Like, what, what happened to Full House? What happened to Danny Tanner? <laughs> That's crazy, man. So so like for you, what um, you've been doing the the nightclub scene for for a very very long time mm -hmm. and and like what do you what do you really like love about doing those the clubs and being live with people what do you love about that uh just the energy man like it's you know the energy is just being able to 
control the room and, and, and take it the way you want to go. And just, just that energy you feel from a crowd is just, you know, is just, it's such a high, you know what I mean? So, you know, I love radio. I love doing mixes, this and this, but that live feeling in front of people uh, is just unparalleled. Yeah. Yeah. That energy that you get when, and, yeah. and I love that, like being able to kind of take people through all this range of emotions, like one minute they're up and then you yeah. slow it down and, you know, reminisce and remember this. And so like with your DJ and have you, are you somebody who um, like, have you always been the DJ that's on the mic? Cause I know a lot of DJs that don't, don't, they just want to spin. They don't want to talk. Hmm. Like, have you been that, have you always been that way where you kind of just spin and, and, and you're on the mic at the same time? It's, it, you know, it was, um, it was probably a gig like in the early two thousands. Cause I never really did them. Like, cause back then you didn't really have to, there wasn't miking that much. That's more of like, you know, New York style. And then it's kind of filtered into everybody in the last, like probably 10 years or so. Right. And I just remember, I think it was Mink Nightclub, which was an old nightclub in Toronto. Oh, yeah. And um, I had a residency there on Saturday. And I remember asking the first night, like, who's the MC? And they're like, MC. I'm like, I don't know, you do it. So I was like, <laughs> oh, sh- oh, crap. Well, I better I better learn how to do it. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a comfortable guy in front of crowds and stuff. So it's not, you know what I mean? It's not always my first thing to do because I like... I like the style of playing more and then maybe do a couple shout outs and maybe, you know, stop the hype up and stuff. I'm not one of them like yap, 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 yap kind of guy because right. my hands are moving and I'm doing stuff, right? Like right. a lot of the talky talky DJs, they're not really mixing. They're just, you know, putting songs in and then so, you know what I mean? I can do either way, you know what I mean? But I'm not an over talker, you know yeah. what I mean? I try, I try to let the, the skill, you know, do for, do for itself. And like, you know, for the most part, it's like not, you know, it's not been any issue, you know what I mean? No, no one has ever come and been like, to a nightclub and been like, I need more talking. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, I think less is always better. <laughs> well, I, I, well, in saying that, I think this is well, you, you mentioned reggae earlier and, you know, I always thought that reggae didn't, doesn't get enough credit for, um, for hip hop and especially yeah. the way that the hip hop DJs DJ, because, you know, g- going to Jamaica when I was young and, and, you know, the, the sound selectors and all that kind of stuff yeah. and the, the sounds and the cutting songs off short yeah. and mixing and blending and, you know, the, the, the setting the song up with what, with what you're saying on the mic, all of that to me, you know, in hip hops comes from reggae in my mind. Do you, what do you think about that? Oh, a thousand percent. Even if you go back to cool Herc, who is credited with, creating hip-hop he's he's from jamaican descent he grew up in jamaica and a lot of that big sound system and stuff comes from jamaican origins absolutely Mm -hmm. and the toasting on the mic and everything so i 100 percent agree reggae is absolutely one of the you know one of the 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 roots that that spawned into hip-hop absolutely especially dancehall i mean now you know you have you know the rhythms where people would um you know sing over various the, the same rhythm to see who was the baddest dj yeah. because it was the same rhythms it was the same song it was the same yeah. beat and then you had like things like um dances right the whole dance culture in jamaica I mean, yeah. dance culture in jamaica has been big but now you know over the last 10 years now you're seeing all these dances in hip-hop so i think hip-hop has adopted so much from reggae and um I just think that reggae just doesn't get enough cult, uh, credit for what it's done for hip hop. I, I think it goes over a lot of people's heads. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, in, in, in you know Toronto, I can only speak really for Toronto because that's where I grew up. But like, reggae's always been there. You can't, you can't, you never went to a hip hop dance and not have a reggae set. It right. just, it just never happened. You know what I right. mean? Well, they've always been so intertwined here. It, for for me, it's just kind of a natural 
thing to know these things, right? But a lot of places, reggae may not be as big or, or, or this and this, so it's a little harder to understand. But, you know, Toronto-wise, like I said, reggae's been big here since, you know, ever, forever, yeah, since the start, right? So it, it's kind of a natural, like, thing here to kind of realize that those two are so intertwined. Yeah. So, so like for you, when you started DJing, like how did you, did you know that you could make a living DJing? Because I, for me, when I used to DJ, like, you know, I used to do like some weddings and stuff and do some clubs and, mm-hmm. you know, high school parties and stuff. And then obviously like house parties was major in, in Nova Scotia, like a Nova Scotia house party was like, if you, if you've never been to one, like the parties were amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember doing some house parties and stuff. So like, but then I, it was something that I loved to do because you were in the mix. You know, I grew up in low income housing, so mm-hmm. I was lucky that music kind of saved me and basketball. I was kind of DJ and used to MC a little bit and 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 uh, play basketball. So mm-hmm. it, it just allowed me to go to different neighborhoods that I probably wouldn't have been able to go to. Mm-hmm. But I always looked at it as, you know, this is something that's fun to do, make a little money. But I never, I never, back then, I never thought it could be a business. Like, I never thought I could do this for a living. So did you always know that you could or you were just willing to try or what? Well, we always like, uh, you know, that Toronto, New York connection has always been super strong. So coming up, you know, seeing, you know, having Kid Capri tapes, Ron G tapes, we're like, oh, man, these guys are making a living off of mixtapes. And then seeing guys on radio like Flex and Chuck Chill Out. And so, oh, you can make a living on radio. So there was always like the inspiration from the States that you could do it. Yeah. Even if we didn't really have the infrastructure yet or the, or, you know, the way to really make it. And then even like when I was younger, like going to see, you know, of course, starting from scratch, going to see SoundQuest, going to see Ebony Sound Crew, going to see yeah. Jake's Aristotle, going to like, there was already people, the generation above me or, or two generations above me, give or take, Carl Allen, like I can go on and on with things. They were already doing it. So right. there was the, the, the thought of like, well, it's being done. So, I, you know, I can do it because right. people are doing it. So, you know what I mean? Th- th- there was a blueprint already kind of there. So it was, it was definitely always a thought that it could be done. That, that, what you just said, I think is really like, we need to pause on that because what you just said was there was already a blueprint. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, when we have an idea or we have a passion and a desire to do something at a bigger scale and to maybe turn it into a business or really pursue that passion, we get limited by our own abilities because we're like, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure I can do it. But almost everything that anybody wants to do, there's a blueprint. There's people who've gone before you and already and have already done it. Yeah. So I think for a lot of us who have this passion and this desire I often talk about it's not how, it's about who. It's, there's a book called Who, Not How. And the book is all about who do you need to connect with, which mentors, coaches, you know, people who've done it before that, can, that you can follow and emulate and buy their courses or their programs or follow them and do it. And I think that is really important because so many people are like, I just don't know how. When there's a million books, there's social media, mm-hmm. YouTube. Like especially now, this, nowadays, especially come on. Right. Like, so I think that's so important. What you said for anybody who's trying to pursue something, you never have to start from zero. There's Agreed. already somebody who's done it. Yeah. And, and so I love the fact you said that, man. So then at that point, when you realize that you could do this thing, when did you realize that like you went from making money to like, this is a business and I am a brand. Um, I would say probably, 
once the 2000s hit, like I, I kind of feel like 90s um, were my research and my practice years. And then the 2000s, I took it all and applied it. Mm. So, you know, when the 2000s came, I went to high school with um, a DJ named DJ Sin. And he worked for a very popular um, promotions company called Brighter Days Entertainment. And they, um, they needed a DJ at that point. So basically from 2000, I got hired. And then they were doing three, ga- three nights a week. So right away, I was doing three nights a week. And then I got on the radio, um, something called Project Bounce, which here was um, a nighttime. It ran from 2000 to 2008. And it was from 12 to 5 in the morning. It only played hip hop. Wow. And, and it was the biggest thing in Toronto hip hop, I think Toronto radio, maybe ever, to be honest with you. We, we, we ran the night. We were getting better ratings than all the commercial stations at night. Wow. We were, we were just, it was just, we launched every artist from, from that era. You know what I mean? From Drake on up, you know what I mean? So it was definitely, um, you know what I mean? Like it just the 2000s hit and then it just kind of, you know, the, the radio started, the club started. So, you know, by the time, um, 2008 came when I won Toronto DJ of the year. Um, it kind of, you know what I mean? I would say right then was probably the real pop off. Cause I was able to use that award to start traveling around Canada and, and, you know, just kind of like, Oh, you got an award. You know what I mean? Like, obviously some people are like, ah, whatever, you know what I mean? But for, you know, for corporate wise and just the, the look having an award like that, um, you know what I mean? Kind of put, put me in a good place. So I would say like, you know, by the time the mid two thousands came, it, it was, it was rocking and rolling. That's big. Toronto DJ of the year is big because yeah. this city has so many amazing DJs worldwide oh, yeah, world yeah. recognized DJs. So congratulations on winning that brother. That's, that's major. That really is. That's big. Thanks that's man. Big. I've won, I've been able to win a couple of awards. The problem is there's no real awards anymore. So yeah, there's not even a chance to win, but you know what I mean? A, a, in the, in that mid two thousands to, you know, early like 2010s, there was a bunch of award shows and stuff. So I was able to at least get some hardware to, you know, to hold on to and stuff like that. So. I love that. You know, so, so for you, right. What, what are like, two or three major sort of accomplishments or big memories that you have, um, you know, being a DJ? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the first thing that comes to mind was the first concert I ever went to. It was um, 1992. It was Wu-Tang and Black Moon. Right? Wow. I love the, it. The 25 year anniversary of that Wu-Tang album, they did a concert in Toronto at Rebel and I DJed it. So like the full circleness of it, like I almost broke down to tears. Like it was amazing. You know what I mean? Like just being, like at a concert, like, oh my God, I'm getting to see my hip hop heroes. And then playing that album that came out, playing the concert, you know, 25, it was just a, an amazing moment. So that that's right up there. You know what I mean? Winning the, um, winning awards and just being, you know, recognized in any, any way, shape or form, you know what I mean? Is amazing. And, you know, um, and then number three, I don't, you know what I mean? Just, I, I'll be honest, like there's so many things, you know what I mean? It's tough. Like those are the first two that really come to mind. And then there's probably like a hundred others that I can kind of group for number three, but like I've, I've been super blessed and, you know what I mean? Being able to do this for a living for this long and stuff. And, and you know what I mean? It's like, I just, you know, I wake up every day excited, you know, even though I'm tired and this and this and still, I wake up and I'm, you know, I'm really excited. Uh, that's uh, my, I think my first concert was public enemy. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice, with the S1Ws. And oh, the, oh, yeah, yeah, good old oh, Professor Griff. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I remember that. Uh, oh, that was such an amazing concert, and I remember they came to Nova Scotia, and everybody, like, the place was rammed. You yeah, know, so and Toronto had everybody. You know, what I mean, like there was concerts every. Like I, I saw, I've seen everybody. There's no, yeah. I don't think there's anyone really on my bucket list that I haven't seen. Right. You know I mean, which is just like the best because that's all I did when I was younger. Like when we were teenagers, it's like 
oh my god, this guy's coming, this guy's coming, run DMC, this, that, like, it was just, it was just the best to see them live, and the energy back then, no cell phones, so everyone's actually watching the concert, you know what I mean, it was just like, th- those memories just are like, so amazing to me. That's, that's, that's awesome. So, for, so then now you, you started, you're doing uh, a bunch of different radio stations. Like, how did you, how did you land these, these various radio jobs? Cause you're on a couple different radio stations right yeah. now. How did, how does that all work? Like, how do you find the time? How did you, first of all, how did you land them? And then how do you kind of manage all that? Well, it's been a lot easier in the last like 10 years or so because you can pre-tape and just email and stuff like that. So that's opened up, you know what I mean? Like I'm actually on WBLK in an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for their Memorial Day mix weekend. Um, But like having radio experience so early, it's it's like anything. You get a little experience and you use that to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I had college radio, but it was a very popular college. So that, um, you know, that propelled me to get to commercial radio. And then after I had commercial radio, I can hit up other markets and be like, well, I'm on commercial radio here. You should check me out. So it's just kind of like, you know, this the effect of just you got to get something first and then make Mm -hmm. that into something else and just build on it. And then once you get, you know, once you have a bunch of radio stations you've worked for, it's it's a lot, excuse me, it's a lot easier to go to whatever and be like, hey, oh, I've done this station, this station, this station. So, you know, I mean, I've worked with BLK for 15 years, you know what I mean, doing their, I've done live tears for them. I've done time. thing, yeah, um, Shade 45, I have a monthly residency on there, shout out the union DJs. So I do that monthly and then obviously flow and stuff. And then I've, you know, I've done, you know, many other radio stations, just like, you know, quick one-offs or, or something like that. But once you have a little bit of a resume, if you're smart with it, you can build it into a bigger resume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it sounds like you've really had kind of amazing career. Like what are some like, cause people are like, Oh man, this guy, he started young. Everything just seems like it just went, it went crazy. And it just seemed mm-hmm. like you just had this amazing career. Like what's like, what's a, a one or two challenges that you've had sort of in your business that you had to kind of figure out? Well, I think with like, um, TJ Weiss, like, you know, it's gone from carrying crates to a computer. So I think really the biggest um, challenge was transferring to the digital age. That, 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 that when Soretto came out and, you know, for people that might not know, Soretto is the computer program that you play your music off now. So mm-hmm. it went from vinyl to CDs to um, computer. So a lot of DJs, especially older DJs, kind of got left in the, you know, in the, in, didn't make it to the digital era. I was lucky enough to get into the digital era early and stuff. So, you know what I mean? I, I noticed it was going that way. And especially doing radio, it's like, you know, I remember um, being on radio and like other DJs are playing stuff. I'm like, you know, how do you have this? Like, you know, like, well, like we burn it off LimeWire or, or yeah. you know, Napster or something. I'm like, what is that? You know what I mean? So radio <laughs> really helped because if you weren't doing these things, you got left behind. Right. Because if I'm waiting for the vinyl to come out, I'm already a month behind this guy who's been rocking the, 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 the hype tune. You know what I mean? So, you know, I think that was the biggest challenge for sure. You know what I mean? But thankfully I've always, you know, been around people that, you know, I, you know, I, I, I always have I keep mentors, mentors around, you know what I mean? So everyone from like a bubble con to mastermind to starting from scratch, these are people that I've done it before me and at an amazing level. So, Legends. you know what I mean? Like be able to, you know, pick up the phone and call guys like that and, and you know, just kind of get advice and, and this, and, and at the same time, I've always kept, you know, younger DJs around too. Because the 19-year-old DJ now is thinking way different than I even could possibly do. So having that network and, and dealing with the my OGs and dealing with the young kids and always being like that, you know what I mean? I kind of get a little bit of everything. So I'm a little bit ahead of the curve because I get the, you know, the knowledge from the past. I get the knowledge almost from the future. And then I kind of take both in 
and, and trying to make it happen. So that digital era really just destroyed a lot of DJs. Yeah, but like I said, I was, you know, I, I was lucky enough to kind of like get a, a grip on that early and, and you know, and, and be able to fight through it because it's a whole different world. From yeah. what I started with to what it is now is a complete 180. Yeah. A complete yeah. 180. So, well, I think what you said, that's, it's a, it's a good, um, acknowledgement as well. Like the power of mentorships, I think mm. it's so important. And, and the thing about mentorships too, is it, is I think you really described it. You described it well, because sometimes people think mentors are people who have to be much older than you. We can learn from anybody. Absolutely. Right? Like you I could learn from a two-year-old just how to enjoy life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're so like, I think for a lot of people, we, we look at mentors as someone who's much older and so further ahead. And, and those are forms of mentors, mm-hmm. but you can learn from anybody. And, and that's something that really kind of helped me to really grow my career and become a better speaker and, and really learn how to connect with audiences like in, in, in a really unique way. You know, I remember speaking once, uh, I, I think I spoke at a Toronto, um, uh, Toronto University. And I remember the registrar saying, uh, she sent me this message saying, you know, that she gave me a testimonial. She said, Danny spoke and it was, and it was almost as if he was speaking to each individual person. Great compliment. And I was just like, I actually started kind of tearing up. You know, I grew up in low income housing, got bullied and all that kind of stuff. And I was headed down the wrong path and all that. And, you know, I never thought that I could connect and resonate with people outside of my environment. So when she said that, I'm speaking at a university, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. But that only come that only happened because I just I'm open to learning from everyone. Like everyone. Mm-hmm. Not just people who are speakers, like anyone I speak to, I can learn something. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you said that because as someone who's been in the game for more than 22 years, almost 23 years as a DJ, mm-hmm. it's easy you could easily say, well, I I know I know all this. These young guys can't teach me anything. Mm-hmm. But you're not. No, right? definitely not. Definitely I not. I love that. I love and, that. And I think also just to um, build on that a little is, um, you know, taking criticism and being like, you know what I mean? Like I, I have many people that will call me, yo, man, I think you're slipping on this or I think you're, this is not so hot and, you know, you should work on this. And and I've always been someone that like, I don't, I don't mind criticism. Like people will build you up all day and like compliments are great and, and this and this, but I actually much prefer like, what do you think I can improve? more so than what do you like about me? Because you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, you know, after you've done something for a while and a certain success, you kind of like know where you're at. So you just, now you just want to be able to, you know, what, 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 what can I improve in this and this? Like, even when people come to the booth and they're like, you know, you get a drunk girl, or I don't know, I don't like this or whatever. I'm like, why? You know what I mean? Or, or what do you think I should, you know, I don't take it, you know, offensively because even, you know, there's truth in every, even if it's a 2% truth of a hundred percent, you know, 98% crap, there's still that 2%, right? So yeah. I've always been very aware and very much like I don't take things personally whatsoever. No, that's really good. That, that's how you get better. When you've been yeah. doing something for a long time, it's hard to see your blind spots, right? You very much so. And, and you get comfortable doing what you've always done. And mm-hmm. so taking that criticism can help you be more creative, take things to a different level. So I'm, I'm definitely the same. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. always open to, to criticism as well. Yeah, even if I totally disagree, I'll still sit there and think for a second be like i wonder why you know what i mean like if some people just hate your face they just look at you and like i don't like this guy you know what i mean but that, that's fine you know that's is what it is but you know i mean when someone has at least something to back up whether it makes sense or not it's still it's still you know something you can use and 
and you know maybe maybe puts you on like not a different path but just kind of maybe you know turn a little left or a little right you know yeah so so i see that you're 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 into producing now mm -hmm. and 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 so what what is that like so is that something that you've always wanted to do have you always wanted to be produce music i've actually been producing for probably like 17 18 years and just DJing just takes so much time. I, you know, I mean, I call myself this, uh, the part-time producer, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that, the one great thing about pandemic was I was able to like, you know, get a bunch of songs done. I actually have a song coming out next month again. Um, I already, I've dropped two songs so far. I just heard um, one track on, on your mixed, uh, your mixtape on, uh, on uh, Apple podcast. Um, you had a new track on there with one artist. I forget what it was. I think it was probably Flowboy Deuce out of the Bronx, yeah. New York and stuff. So you know what I mean? So I was able to like during those two years amount a ton of beats, you know, get started on and, and things. So that was probably the, one of the best parts of pandemic for me is I was finally able to, you know, get this production thing a little under control. I finished four songs. I've released two so far. I got the next one coming out, um, like I said, next month or so. So it's it's been nice to be able to like do that. And, and you know, if I tried to pr do it now, it'd be impossible with my yeah. schedule. So, you know what I mean? That, that was a great thing about pandemic. And I've always wanted to produce and put out songs. And a lot of my my state's uh, DJ friends are always like, you got to put out music. You know, it's not a point of having the platinum thing or just, just put out music and just add it to your catalog of a DJ. So I took that advice in and, you know, and during pandemic, like I said, I, I banged out a few songs and stuff. And, you know, like they said, they ain't, they ain't gold or platinum, but, you know, like they, they got, you got to get some hits out there doing all right. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. I love the track that I heard. So, Thank you. What, what have you learned about yourself over the last, you know, since the pandemic? What, what have you kind of learned about yourself as a, as a, as a man, as a person? Um, definitely to smell the roses. Like, you know I mean? I think, you know, especially when you work for yourself and you, you know, you're, you're, you, you know, you own, you know, you're, you're your own business, you get so tunnel visioned in the work and the work it's, it's, you know, being able to take a step back and, you know what I mean? Like I'm married, you know what I mean? And like, you know, so it's like, you know, just spending more, you know, some time with the, just remember, you know, spend some time with the family, take a, a night off. Cause I'm the kind of guy like we'll put on a movie at night and I'll take out my computer, start working at the same time. Or, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's yeah, just, yeah. you know, it is, it's 24 yeah. seven. Right. So really just smell the roses a little bit, but like, you know what I mean? I'm just so focused on winning, you know what I mean? And, and it, you know, it's the same with what you do is like, there's no, we've made it. You go here. Now it's like, all right, now I can go here. Now I can go here. There's no, you know what I mean? Cause my wife's a teacher. So we talk about this often is she's, she's maxed out. Like she's done all her, courses to get as much as she can and she, and this is her this is whether she does bad good does a crappy job of teaching a great job of teaching this is what she's getting paid you know what i mean where it's like for us it's like you do a crappy job it's going to reflect in your money there's just no mm -hmm. you know what i mean i'm not saying she does a crappy job no, 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 no. but i'm saying though like it's just the exact opposite so you know what i mean that's always been a real blessing um with my wife is to have she's the op does the opposite so it's yeah. You know. so, so how does that work? Because, you know, you're an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and, you know, she's a full time teacher. Mm -hmm. How does that work with with you, with you all in terms of your relationship? Like oh, we always laugh and say that the, the key to marriage is let's never see each other. <laughs> but, but, but she, you know, like as a teacher, it's the perfect job because she has two months off. Um, she's done it three you know what I mean? Or three or four. So it's like, it, it's not a bad look for a DJ, you know what I mean? But it's very, it's like DJs ruined every relationship I've ever had besides my wife, because it's a very hard thing to say, okay, you're going to work all week and then you're going to spend your weekends alone. Mm. And if you don't spend them alone, you have two choices. You go out with all your married friends and be the fifth wheel, the ninth wheel, the right. third wheel, which makes women feel terrible. 
or right. anyone. Well, you know, it's fine now and again, but you know, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Like everyone's coupled up and you're sitting there alone, right? Or you go out with your single friends. You're at the club, and then there's you know all this stuff. So it, it's a very hard sell as a DJ to you know a woman. But thankfully, you know, I mean, my wife, um, who I actually known since high school, we we were just friends then. We got together way later, but um, she you know she got the program and she was down with you know with everything. So it, I was very I very much lucked out because it's not an easy. You know, relationship-wise, it's not an easy, easy sell to a woman, for sure. So what does she think about your career and, and, and everything that you're doing? Oh, she's the best, man. She's First of all, what's your wife's name? Shanti. Shanti. What does Shanti think about all of this? Uh, she, she, you know, she's cool, man. Like, you know, like, she's always, because she, when she came, you know, she, she's known me since high school, so she knows the love and the passion from then. When we got together, I was already rocking and rolling and moving. So she's not, never known anything different except for the pandemic. Right. So she's always known that, okay, weekends, we can't do it. Um, you know, you know, this, that, like, it was always just, you know, but she's always been cool, man. Like, I can't lie. Like she, you know, it's the best thing that ever happened to me hands down Mm because we can be at dinner and I can get a phone call and be like, you know what? I got to go deal with this. And and it's cool. Like there's Mm -hmm. no, you know, there's no real, you know, cause she knows what it is. And she's, I think to have a successful marriage, you have to accept those things. Cause if she didn't accept it, we wouldn't have allowed this our 12th year of marriage right so congratulations thank you we wouldn't have we wouldn't have lasted right so like we we had very honest conversations when we started dating and stuff like this is the way it's going to be and there's no changing there's nothing i can do like this is the way i make my living so you know thankfully we we were mature enough like we didn't get married till we were like um 32 right so we you know i mean so a little later to the point Mm -hmm. where like we're a little more know what we want and and we're all we've always been very honest with each other of what it is so now it's just habit like you know what i mean like you know r.i.p my dog he died like a month ago but yeah yeah, horrible (laughs) but anyhow like so my dog would be like we're getting another dog in the new year but um like you know she just she she just got to the point she'd rather just hang out with the dog at night and you know what i mean like just kind of you know and and just kind of chill out and stuff like she comes out now and again but she's kind of done with ritz you know i mean she's she she put in her time you know what i mean Well, but what you're saying is really, I've had the same conversations with my wife. It's like Mm -hmm. when, and this is, I think this is really important for people to understand when you find what you think is your calling, Mm -hmm. when you find what it's not your passion, when you find your purpose and your mission in life, there are going to be times when you have to make decisions about various relationships, yeah, friendships, partnerships and all that. And you know, for me, I've always been someone who's been dedicated to helping people find that champion inside. Mm-hmm. I've always done community work. You know, my first job ever at 14 years old where I got a paycheck was from Parks and Recreation, coaching four-year-olds and mentoring them on how to play basketball. Nice. So it was my very first job on paper. Now, fast forward, you know, 30 some years later, I'm still coaching, um, but coaching in a different way, life coaching, business coach. Mm-hmm. So when I met my wife, it was the same thing. I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be inspiring people. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be standing on stages, Yeah. maybe on TV, maybe rated, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Can you deal with that? Because there's, got, there's no decision to be made when you find the thing that you're meant to do. Mm-hmm. If somebody's not on board with it, it, it usually doesn't work out. So when it always, it always that, doesn't I, work out. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. Like, Mm-hmm. When you find the mission and the passion, nothing can stop you. Nothing can get in the way of you pursuing it. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm so happy to hear that, you know, your wife has been rocking with you yeah. for so long and supporting you because we all need that. We all need oh, that absolutely. support. 
I'm a full believer. You can't be a king without a queen. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, that I, I'm fully like, you know, it's just good to have the the female energy, a different, a different take. And like I said, my wife's very opposite of me. Like she, you know, her favorite band is Bon Jovi. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, and, and, you know what I mean? And she's not, she's not like, you know, when we go out, if I'm getting like a little bit of, you know, like, you know, you know, oh, tricks or this and this, like she, she's not even into that stuff. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's a nice like reality check where I come home and it's like, oh, guess what? You know, this is, oh, that's nice. That's nice. You know what I mean? Like she's not, she's not really into the hoopla and all that stuff. Yeah. And she, you know what I mean? She just wants to be on the side and that she don't want no, you know, she doesn't care about the new 50 cent song that came out or this and this. She, you know, she's just like, it's a good, uh, for me, it's like a good yin yang kind of, uh, you know, opposites attract. Like we have the same core values and, 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 you know, same likes, but when it comes to like, you know, job and career, it's totally different, like completely mm. opposite. So, you know, it's a, it's a nice to see the, uh, how, the other side, because especially with nightclubs, you get so engulfed in that lifestyle, like it, it you know, 90% of it's bad yeah. or, or sketchy. Right. Yeah. So to have that, that home, like all her friends are you know, normal, if you will, like, you know what I mean? Just regular folks doing the yeah. thing where all my friends are DJs and promoters <laughs> and, you know, I'm living the fast life and this and yeah. this, right? So to have that balance at home, especially, it is just like, I think that's what is a real key to my success to be able to come home and, and not be Ritz, if you will. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, he, he would leave him at the door and just come in and just be like, you know, just be the, the uh, uh, Craig, the husband. Yeah. That's great, man. That's so amazing. And I often I think it's so important for people to kind of understand, like, you don't need permission from anybody to pursue what you want. Like, mm-hmm. If you if you're passionate, like sometimes we expect other people to believe in our hopes and our dreams. And you and I are lucky that both of our wives do. But I've had so many people doubt me over the years and, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But we have to stop expecting other people to believe in our dreams more than we do. And you just got to focus on what you're trying to do. And I often tell people this, like when I was writing my book in 2014, I I told a couple of people and they kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, they laughed. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I said, "Okay, here's the title. And they're like, whatever. And then I said, here's the book cover. And then I showed them the website and then I showed them the Facebook page and then they got an invite to the book launch. And, And I think, you know, I think progress. I say this all the time, but progress equals belief for yourself and for other people. Mm-hmm. There's a point in your life where you don't, you, you want to do something and you, ha- you think you can do it, but you're not fully sure. And then the more progress you start to make, the more you're like, man, I can do this thing. Yeah. And then the more other people start to believe it. And I think you, for you, for 22 years, it's like you just made up your mind where people had no choice, but to be like, he's doing it. So what can I say? <laughs> you know, and I love that. Yeah, because so many people are waiting. I've converted many haters for sure. People are like, I don't know about this guy, but you know, you're you're totally right. You know, if you keep working at it and stuff, like at some point, you you be like, you know, even even the most critical person has got to be like, well, he's kind of doing it. You know what right. I mean? Like, you right. got to give me some props. You know what I mean? <laughs> at least something. <laughs> so, so what's next for you? Like, what what what's a big dream that you have? Well, I guess I can announce it now because um, uh, it's officially being announced on the first, but. Um, I, I just got the, uh, producer job for the morning show. So I just signed, wow. a con- yeah, I signed a contract literally, um, yesterday for flow. Yeah. For flow. Yeah. yeah. Amazing show, brother. Yeah. Congratulations. So now, yeah. Thank you very much. So that's like, that's been a, you know, just another check mark on my radio resume to be more than a DJ, to be the full-time producer of the morning show and, and stuff like that. And, you know, just, 
you know, just keep it moving, man. Like, you know, there's so many new opportunities. Like, DJs now are everywhere. Like, you know, you go to a McDonald's and there's a DJ. And, and you know, like, so it, it's a really exciting time to be a DJ because there's so many more opportunities. Granted, there's so many more DJs, so many more this, that. But the opportunities now are, like, you know, and people know what a DJ is. Like, when I used to tell people 20 years ago, um, you know, what do you do? I'm a DJ. They're like, what? Like, weddings? <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? They, it didn't even, it couldn't even go. But now, you know, you have the DJ Khaled's and all these all these DJs, you know what I mean? That I'm kind of like, now everyone knows what a DJ is. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, you know, I think the, the, the DJ culture is still evolving so much. It's, it's, you know, my, my goals change every year. Like I didn't think I'd be on satellite radio. You know what I mean? I didn't think I'd be a, you know, a part of a big, you know, um, um, States DJ crew. And so like, you know, you're kind of driving and then it's like, Oh, this opportunity. So let me, you know, like it, you just right. keep changing lanes. So it's like with, with, DJing and, and, you know, production, I want to pursue more and stuff as well. And, and of course, radio has always been there. So, but everything's evolving so much. It's, it's very tough to see the future, I find, with DJing because it's, you know, it's evolving at an insane pace. Mm -hmm. So I just try to, you know, I try, I'm more of a, a two-year plan guy. I try mm -hmm. to think two years ahead, you know what I mean, as much as I can. And, like, you know, obviously in terms of, like, you know, I've already – me and my wife are already, you know, we already have our retirement planned and, you know, working towards that as well. So we're definitely, I, in terms of life, I think far ahead, in terms of career, not as far ahead because I find when, when I have, it's just so many things have changed. Like when I started, mm. if I could never have thought that I'm DJing off a computer, that's, it's yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. That I have, I have everything on my computer. Right, so it's right. like, so if, if I, you know, anytime I've had these long, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, everything changes, you know, mm. radio stations come and go all the time. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to do radio. Well, this station went down, now I'm done. And then okay, this one comes up. And so it's, you know, I think with at least, you know, the DJ entertainment field, there's this such movement and such growth at all times. It's, you know, it's hard to plan too far ahead, but definitely want to, you know, um, like I said, with, the, with adding this to my radio resume is definitely, you know, something, you know, I just want to keep building on that. And then, you know, just, you know, keep killing the clubs and keep, uh, you know, just keep doing as much as I can. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. And DJing has come so far. I mean, you look at look at Ellen. You know, yeah, Ellen has a DJ. Yeah, Twitch. You know, Twitch was a dancer slash DJ. This yeah. guy was on the biggest TV show in in daytime, and now his name is known in households all around the world. Right? right? Like Donahue never had a DJ. Oprah Winfrey never. Like this is right. this is once again, it's all new. You kind of have to have a DJ now. So the roots. You know, look at the roots. You yeah. know. Like, exactly. Yeah, the roots on Jimmy Fallon. Like right. for people that come from the early roots, like that's unbelievable right. that, that they are on a you know a prime time show and they're involved and they talk. Like, it's 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 unbelievable. And I'm and sure Quest Love, Quest Love won an Academy Award. Yeah, like, you know? unbelievable. And I'm sure I'm sure you know I listen to his podcast. I listen to everyone's podcast. So I'm a big podcast guy. So um, you know e even in Quest Love's podcast, he he's he's mentioned the same things. It's like I almost can't believe it. Sometimes like we started out you know, drumming in a basement. And now he's on Jimmy Fallon. Like it's, you know, that wasn't even an opportunity back then. So yeah. for him to plan ahead, it wouldn't have even been feasible to say, I'm going to be on a, t on a talk show. Like, yeah. You know, like, you know, imagine Johnny Carson coming out and like, here's Grandmaster Flash, my DJ. It's like, <laughs> it wouldn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't even right. a thought. So I think the doors are opening so crazy right now that it's like, you know, you, you, it's always good to plan ahead, but given the industry that sometimes is only so far you can plan ahead with, you know, with yeah. what's going on. So let me ask you, like, we got a couple more questions here, but yeah. um, let me ask you, like, are, are, are DJs really competitive? Like when you hear another DJ 
you know, have a really amazing set. Do you want to do better than them? Or if you're sharing the same platform, you're at the same club, do you come out and they set the crowd on fire? Do you come out wanting to do better than them? Like, is there a com- competition amongst DJs? Yeah, I think you have to be competitive in this space, you know what I mean, regardless, right? But I'm more of like, I take a piece of what someone does. Like, I still, that's why I still go out now and again. I talk to DJs all the time just to kind of get the vibe of what's going on. Cause I, you know, the first rule, like when we, you know, and you could attest to this from our, our era back then, you know, you never bit a mix. You don't copy, you don't do anything that you take it and you put it into your own flavor and you do your own thing. Right. So DJing's always been competitive. Now it's, now it's like, it's more about like, you know, the undercutting and, and you know what I mean? And that kind of stupidity, but you know what I mean? Thankfully I'm established enough that like people aren't expecting to call me and, and, and offer me a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? They did kind of, you know, I've kind of thankfully come with a little bit more money. People you got to come yeah. with just a little bit more. If you want yeah, DJ Rich. Yeah, just a little bit, it's a little <laughs> bit. So it's, it's all, it's a competitive sport. You know what I mean? Cause there's no, there's no governing body. There's no anything. It's like, are you better than you or are you mm. more liked than you? So, you know what I mean? As much as the skill and stuff, you still have to be cordial, have a good personality, be approachable, and, and you know, be someone that, you know, at least most people kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. very much a, a, you know, an art form where the skill is one thing, but you have to have personality and, and, and you know, and be somewhat likable because no one wants to hire someone they don't like. You can be the best DJ in the world, but if you're, if you're someone that people don't like, then it's, you know, it don't, it don't even matter. That's so that's true. That's true. Wow. Well, I got two final questions that I ask all of my guests here, Ritz. Right. And the first question is, what does grind mean to you? Um, grind means just like all in. You know what I mean? Like to me, grind is a word that like is synonymous with what I do. Like I am always on the grind. I am always pushing. I am always thinking. I am always trying to get better. Like for me, grind is a 24-7 kind of thing. You know what I mean? So whenever, whatever it is, like I'm all in, like I said earlier. So that's just the grind. Life is a grind. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just nowadays, especially with everything going on and, oh, gee, you know what I mean? Just, you have to be on the grind, be it, you know, you have to be on a life grind. You have to be on a husband grind. You have mm. to be on a work grind. Like mm. grind is, is, you know, whatever you call it nowadays in 2022, you know, words, it, it grind is working hard is the least you have to do now. The yeah. least. Like, forget about being good and all this stuff. You, you, the least you have to do is grind. So yeah. grind is, is an absolute, like, daily, you know, a daily thing for me. Daily. It's always mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I love that. And what does gratitude mean to you? Gratitude, like, um, I, it, it's very important. You know what I mean? Like, I think, you know, and, and once again, going back to what I said about the pandemic, smelling the roses a little, just having more of that word. You know what I mean? I think that word has been a little lost on me at, at certain times of my life where it's just, you get so focused and you don't, you know, you don't really do that much. Right. So I think that is a very important word. And I think in, in nowadays with everything going on and stuff in the world, like, you know, it's very good to stop and, and have some of that and, and really, you know, really just reflect on the good and, you know, even the bad, you know what I mean? But just more, more you know, just be thankful. Mm, mm. Well, Ritz, man, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Oh, thank a, you. Such a great conversation, brother. Mm. You know, I think we need to have more conversations like this, share share our knowledge, be open to learning from each other and growing with each other. And that's why I started the Grind and Gratitude Show, just for people to learn, share, and grow. So 
Um, appreciate you taking the time to be here, man. I know you're a busy brother and you got lots going on, but and you edit out my bags. Is that possible? <laughs> like, I don't know. What... Can't do anything okay. about that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I just want to say quickly though, um, I super appreciate coming on. And, and the day I met you from, um, Jay Martin, who, um, you know what I mean? Who has become a, a good friend of mine and stuff. And we weren't really close before the morning show, but we've become very close now. And, and I've realized with him, anyone he deals with is always like really proper. And, and he always spoke highly of you. And since the first day you came in, I've been a fan of yours. I listen to your podcast and everything. And, and you know, I, I think you have a, you know, you, you have a great voice, great, great knowledge and everything. So I'm more than appreciative to be here. Like, you know, I don't do a lot of these things just because I think, you know, most of the people asking like, I wouldn't say don't deserve it, but don't, you know what I mean? Like it's gotta be a mutual always respect and stuff. So, you know what I mean? I, I very much appreciate what you do. And, and, uh, you know, I'm very, very happy to be on this. Thank you for asking me. Oh, thank you, brother. Much respect. And thank you for your kind words. Mm -hmm. Um, let everybody know how they can connect with you and get in touch with you. Well, I guess in, in nowadays, the two easiest ways would be Instagram, which is at DJ Ritz, which is thank God I didn't, I got it right away before I had to do <laughs> .to and you know, all this business. Website, I wasn't as lucky, uh, djritzent.com. <laughs> you know, for, quick story, I had djritz.com. I actually, it expired. I took two days to redo it and someone already took it. Oh. And then they hit me up and said, I'll give me a thousand bucks and I'll, I'll give you it back. So anywho... DJ, if you just Google DJ Ritz, it all comes up. So DJ website, always updated, everything straight. And then um, Instagram for those, you know, those daily activities. And to check out over 200 mixes that you have on SoundCloud, DJ Ritz on SoundCloud. Yeah. Mixes are amazing. I'm always Thank listening you. to them. Yeah, I just yeah. got rid of about like 60 of them because I was getting kind of, you know, I was getting kind of like too much. Yeah. I'm going to try to keep it around 200-ish. Wow. Well, Thank you, man. Again, thank you so much mm -hmm. for taking the time. Like you said, you know, I really respect what you do, thank not you. just in DJing, but just what you bring to the culture and, you. and your love and your passion to 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 see people win and want to make people better. So I really appreciate that, brother. Mm -hmm. And um, for those of you who are tuning in, make sure you check out DJ Ritz. Anybody who's looking for a DJ, you know where to find them. <laughs> um, right? But thank you all for tuning in to the Grind and Gratitude show. And uh, we will catch you in the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for being my co-host on this episode of the Grind and Gratitude Show. I really appreciate you. I hope that you learned something and you're motivated to take action and get on your grind. Didn't that go by fast? If you want more, head over to grindandgratitude.com for show notes and more information about this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a rating so more people will tune in. And let me say this. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it.